right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, episode 104, and we are going to be going over Loki, episode 2, came out Tuesday night at midnight, I guess Wednesday night, early in the morning. Um, I'm going to be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk all about it. Uh, Peter, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get, keep getting into this show. It's, it's such a vibe. I love it. Mm-hmm. And so... I would like to start off this podcast with a hot take, as I usually do. Um, this was by far the best episode on, of anything on Disney Plus ever. And I would say the only things that I would put near it would be the season two finale of Mando, um, the episode of WandaVision where Ag- Agatha Harkness reveals herself, and then maybe the first episode of the show. I thought that it was at that level how great this uh episode was and how great this series is very high praise i like that there are specific touch points that you compared it to because i know last time Mm. you did say it was the best episode of disney plus but i like that this time you put it in context with certain Mm -hmm. things because yeah yeah, i thought it it definitely moved quicker than the first episode which Mm -hmm. i think was necessary because the first episode was laying the groundwork but this episode especially the last what 10 minutes was just oh my gosh insanity for the mcu in the best way in the similar ways that the other shows were the flag smashers i mean not the flag smashers Ugh, forget the flag smashers okay the winter soldier at the agatha reveal but yeah i'm so stoked mm-hmm. about this episode yeah and i mean this is a six episode series peter so it, the, you mentioned how at the last 10 minutes of this it was just going fast and so much is happening i kind of think that that's what we have for four more episodes i think it's going to be all gas no breaks yeah, and I don't, and I think it's going to be constantly a series of what the fuck over and over and oh, over yeah. because, and they have the ability to do that when you see all the places that were impacted by the last ten minutes. It's it's wild, but we only have six episodes, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me sad. It is, and but we do have season two. Hopefully, I think that was confirmed. And another thing, like to add to the insanity of this is. There's probably still two or three variants of Loki that we have yet to meet. And we know that those gods of mischief will get up to certainly no good. So let's just get into this episode right off the top, Peter. The title is The Variant. Um, it opens up at a Renaissance fair in Wisconsin in 1985. Some TVA agents show up. A woman is looking at them who is working at the fair. I mean, is that Agatha Harkness? That's a very interesting... Kind of looks interesting like her. Thought. She kind of did. Kind of did she look could like blend her. in there. That's true. That's very true. I did not think about that, but I like that. So yeah, that that stuck out to me. Um, they track this variant Loki. We assume that they're hunting to a tent, um, and this variant lays a trap. She mind controls a TVA agent, and they take and she takes basically everyone out. And then Lady Loki kills the last agent, stabs them, and steals a variant tracking device from the TVA, and then kidnaps that lead TV agent sending us into the opening title. Peter, what did you think about that whole first, I guess, a cold open, so to speak? I like that we got, I mean, it was a little bit more violent than I expected, you know, Mm -hmm. with some of the, which we hadn't seen in this show yet, but I did like, what stood out for me was the genius use of holding out for a hero as a song. It reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy, that kind of Mm -hmm. vibe where it's like, this doesn't make sense, but it's such a sick use of a soundtrack. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because the song's about holding out for a hero. So is this Loki variant not necessarily a villain? That's kind of what I had to wonder too. It's like, where are we going with this? 
And the music just adds to the overall chaos of a scene so well. And we still need to do eventually our Guardians of the Galaxy 2 talk because where that movie has flaws, I think it has the best soundtrack of like any movie ever. So it works for me. But again, that's off topic. Uh, Time for another pod. Um, So let's go now into after the opening title. We get Loki. He's in the TVA office learning, studying about TVA shit from a hologram of Miss Minutes. That's not just like a hologram when it moves you hear its feet land so and it also goes into the computer so is this some sort of like very futuristic ai we're dealing with you think i think so because they had the interaction where it's like are you recorded or are you like not recorded like what's their deal and Mm -hmm. she kind of is that middle ground so again it's like i think again lends itself to the weirdness of the tva which this episode just got sketch made the tva so much sketchier in my opinion oh yeah made me wonder but i did think it's such an interesting comedic foil to tom hiddleston to have this animated clock person as who he's who he's bantering with i thought that was just genius yeah and it's um all of this is happening to better educate loki this this variant of loki which is yeah it's a variant of loki i guess still um about how the TVA works and what he needs to know if he is going to go into the field to help assist Mobius and the TVA in tracking down this other variant that was uh, teased at the end of last week. Um, and, and so from here, Mobius gives Loki a variant TVA jacket, and they get ready to track this Loki variant back to that Renaissance fair that took place in Wisconsin in 1985. Um, one thing that we see throughout this episode, and it starts here, is Loki continuing continuously calling the other Loki, the lesser variant. And I think that is perfect for Loki's character because it's just, I mean, we're talking about the deconstruction of Loki's kind of ego in this show. I mean, he's very insecure. So, of course, he's going to want to make it known, like, oh, that's the lesser one. This is all just, I think, the inner workings of Loki's mind kind of being displayed to us. Yeah, I think, again, it speaks to his um, out-of-timeness, in a sense, also, because... He's still, even though we had that character growth in episode one, he's still like the glorious purpose. You know, he's still trying to figure out what his end game is. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. But I think that it also, I think that this is something that Mobius is counting on the fact that he does view this Loki as a lesser Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I mean, from what we've seen at the end of this episode, that certainly makes sense. Um, we get. Uh, Another thing happens here is Mobius is going to show Loki all the other variants. We see a Tour de France winner. We see a blue Loki. We see like a giant, like hulkish Loki, a Viking Loki. And then there's like a Loki with horns. So a bunch of different variants that may be out there that maybe we will see, but we didn't see any of those in the teaser trailers. We did, however, see the like vote for me Loki. So we will be seeing that. That's a variant. Um, But the reason that they're getting Loki on this trip, obviously, is so they they can better understand the Loki variant that they are looking for. And the how they're getting Loki to cooperate, Peter, is Mobius is kind of teasing and tempting Loki to help by mentioning and kind of like holding out a bone for a dog. of Like, hey, maybe you'll get to talk to these timekeepers. What did you think of that? It definitely reminds me again of my Wizard of Oz theories that I got from the first episode. Oh, yeah. Especially as the episode goes on, it's like, again, you have these figures that you can't get to that are there, these giant space lizards, as Loki calls them, 
mm-hmm. and we're just meant to believe that they're doing good, that they are in charge of everything. So again, because Loki is all about wanting the power and the control, he's willing to bargain with Mobius, so to speak, because it entices him to know, like the audience, who are these people that mm-hmm. are supposedly running the entire show? Yeah, and Loki gravitates towards that, like we saw with Thanos and other various things in the MCU, especially even when he was on Sakaar and Ragnarok, we saw that. Um, so now they, that group, they go to Wisconsin 1985, and they go to the tent where the variant took down all the TVA agents. And in the tent, Loki puts on a show. This is exactly what you were saying. Of he, we still have that glorious purpose. Um, and again, like you said, lesser Loki, because he's trying to pull shit like this. He does this whole like thing about how he knows what the other variant Loki is doing, says a bunch of metaphors. He tries to convince everyone that the other Loki wants him, and he can go get him if they guarantee him an audience with the timekeepers. And after about what would you say, 20 to 25 seconds, Peter, Mobius finally calls BS, which I thought was great. I thought the comedic timing of Owen Wilson there was really funny. And again, like you said, we're showing that Loki, we still can't trust this dude. What'd you take from all that? I think it's so, what's so interesting, I think that Tom Hiddleston does so well, is that you want to root for Loki, you want to root mm-hmm. that he's actually doing the right thing. But as this scene shows, he's still playing everyone and in his mind, he is 10 steps ahead of everyone, and he is yeah. trying to get one up everyone. But I think it shows, again, that you can't ever fully trust Loki because this him delaying so that the variant could escape could also place into his plan, not necessarily somebody else's plan. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great to watch, and I think it's just, I, it again, speaks to the ability that they're putting into this show. Yeah, absolutely. Um and so from there, we now go to Ravana, Ravona, Ravona, Ravona Renslayer's office with Mobius. And the one thing in their interaction we get keep that throughout this episode that we're teased at is that there's some sort of other analyst that is working with Ravona Renslayer that is not Mobius. Um, so really quickly, Peter, let's theorize on who this could be. There's like. I'll start and see what yes. you think. What if it's a different variant of Mobius? I think that's inter- that's that's an intriguing possibility. I think that that would be a, quite the twist if that's the case. Mm-hmm. But part of me also feels like, what if the variant is the Lady Loki or is someone else? Because again, yeah. if we're operating under the assumption that you know, the TBA is shady, the timekeepers are shady, the timekeepers are, are a smokescreen, theoretically, for someone like Kang, is this yeah. like, is again, she double-crossing? There's a lot of double-crossing on this show, oh, essentially. Yeah. And perfect for Loki. <laughs> exactly, and kind of changing what you think is going to happen. Because I think the show a lot is a lot about choice and free will, so I think a lot of it is you think this is the path and the motivations, but something else is on the side. Mm-hmm. But I, I, so I think almost she could be working with the other bar- with the Loki variant in a sense too. That would be a wild, wild twist that would p- play out almost immediately in the following episode. So that could be really cool. You mentioned Kang. I mean, I, I agree. I think that a lot of people are thinking that Kang could be this other 
person that she is working with, or Kang could just be the timekeepers. Who knows? It could be some sort of Council of Kang's situation. But I saw this theory online. Don't remember who I saw it from, so sorry, I'm not crediting you. Um, someone threw out Reed Richards because he's an aerospace engineer and is so smart, and I am officially just going to say... Don't get my hopes up like that. That is not happening. How, Reed Richards already knowing about the TVA and all this stuff. Like, I don't mind if Reed Richards is, like, somewhat established when he is introduced. But I would like to see Reed Richards not just know everyone and know everything immediately. And it, we have to see him develop those relationships. I also think, though, that there's a 0% chance that this is Reed Richards. And I don't understand why that theory gained so much traction. So it's 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 honestly funny um, that you mentioned that theory. Actually, I had not seen that theory, but before you mentioned that theory, and I was still ruminating on other analysts, I, but the first thought that came to my mind right now was Victor. What if um, mm. Victor was the other analyst, which kind of could be. Is, an, is another entryway for the Fantastic Four in a sense, and he's someone who could have the knowledge. And he's someone who has dealt with multiversal type things a lot in the comic books. So if this show is one of the stages of this multiverse saga in the MCU that ends with multiverse of madness, certainly having a character or not ends with multiverse of madness because quantum mania kind of comes after that, which I think will deal with it too. I think that uh, having a Kang, something like that would make a lot of sense. It's just, it's so, it's so hard with these shows. It's such a, difficult ride to be on when you have things like WandaVision where you're waiting for Mephisto, where you're waiting for these certain things. And, you know, it takes a different route. But again, I think part of the reason why we have also yet to see a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer is because of this show. Whatever's going to happen here obviously has repercussions into that. So I don't think we're going to get a trailer that's going to show us the multiverse essentially breaking until something further happens along in this show. Which is mm-hmm. why I also think it's curious that Black Widow will land in the middle of the Loki showing, because I think that's very strategic in a sense by Marvel as well. Yeah, I, I think that because what I was—that's a good point that it's strategic and maybe ties in. Because I was wondering, like, I was kind of like, this Loki show is so successful, and Marvel had to know that this was probably going to be its most successful show. So a little part of me thought it was weird that they had Black Widow in the midst of it but i guess uh if there's some sort of correlation that would be really cool and so a a follow-up question to that and i think i'm on the same page as you but are we assuming that loki this show is somehow going to really fuck up the multiverse i think so i think i would do i think wandavision cracked it and i think this is going to blow it open in a set or at least push it further i think this is going to continue the ball yeah. rolling, I think it will have stuff that leads into it, into the mm-hmm. because again, it's hard to when you have essentially you have WandaVision, you have Loki, you have Spider Man No Way Home, and then you've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, four projects that are essentially dealing with the multiverse if everything pans out the way it's been predicted and whatnot. So you kind of have to wonder where is at what point does the ball knock over all the dominoes in a sense. What yeah, point exactly. do we suddenly start branching out? And this episode, which 
when we get to the ending of the episode will kind of make sense, does sort of continue to light that spark of things going not yeah. in a sense of order. Yeah, the timeline is definitely under a threat, which would affect the multiverse, so I'm with you on that. Let's get back into the episode here. Uh, we're back in Ravona Renslayer's office. She's basically like, just roasting Mobius for using Loki and botching the last mission. One thing, though, that we kind of see throughout this meeting, Peter, is she has like she talks with about the timekeepers with very high reverence. She like almost like I have I wrote down she like worships the timekeepers, and I don't know if that's true, but she clearly is very like bought into this. And whether it be she is corrupt or just believes in it, she's all in on this timekeepers thing. I totally noticed that, and I and I kind of also see it as is she totally in on it, like 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 you said, worships the timekeepers, or is she help perpetuating the front of the timekeepers to about the you know that like don't 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 push it too far, you know they know what they're doing, you don't necessarily need to meet them. That whole thing where it's like she's the one that's communicating with them, which again just lends to the sketchiness of the TVA, which never showed up until this Loki moment happened, which is so interesting. Yeah. It is weird to think about that. Um, Mobius asks about the said timekeepers and does reference that he's never met them, which is another weird thing. If we, what are we assuming that maybe Ravona Renslayer is the only person in the entire TVA who has met these timekeepers, you know, that, that is sketchy. That's very sketchy, but we don't know. Um, Renslayer, though, she goes on to say that the timekeepers are monitoring every aspect of this case about the Loki variant, and she's never seen them so involved. Which, okay, I just have this out-of-pocket theory that I need to throw out there. So, I think Kang has been around for a while. Like, he has been pseudo-in charge of the TVA or whatever, because he can time travel. And basically, what he was waiting for to reveal himself was he needed Thanos out of the way. He didn't want to have to deal with Thanos, right? And so that's why the timeline, the sacred timeline, allows the Avengers to use time travel and all this Thanos bad stuff to happen. And the only reason that they have a problem with it, in my opinion, is because this Loki broke off an alternate timeline, which thus created an alternate branch where it is in 2012, where Thanos is alive. What do you think? It's so, it's so, it's funny because, you know, you're processing all these theories in your mind. You're just like, kind of little, I think that's, that's really interesting. I did. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. And I don't know if it's the whole part of like Thanos being alive in, 2012 if even that's it exactly i just think that there i have the sense that kang has been waiting patiently to strike and thanos getting out of the way is a big thing and that's why i think on this weird timeline the avengers were allowed to go back and mess with it because with what we've seen of how the time stream works and people going and becoming variants it's actually insane that the avengers pulled that off it's yeah, just like it, what are the odds that that like it's just kind of crazy. And then it's and it's and it's the more you think about these things, it's like the Gamora variant is just allowed to continue yeah. in a sense. Steve and Peggy were allowed to live off their lives, so it's like 
all of these things just seem so why? Like, it makes sense that the villains in the MCU are very patient, in a sense, from what we've seen. And it makes sense that with Thanos being out of the way, it almost does go back to the Infinity Stones being powerless at the TVA. And then what also sticks out is the scene in Endgame where the Ancient One is telling the Hulk about, you know, the branches and capping the... And like, if you remove something, it goes off this way. But mm-hmm. her explanation is similar to the TVA explanation. But again, it's like we're barely delving into this time travel thing that you really have to pay attention to the details. But then if you it's overthink so it, you just start spiraling of like all these different pathways. But you know that Marvel at the end of the day is going to address all these different pathways. Yeah, yeah, they better, they better. And one thing I think it, it might be important to note that this multiverse saga filled with time traveling, all this confusing stuff might be a little shorter than like the Infinity Stone saga for that said reason of how confusing it can get. Just a, just a thought. That's the interest. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could, but it could, but again, it's also like, what is this going to launch once we That's start it. to crack yeah. in the multiverse and just secret more. wars? And yeah, yeah. Never mind. I take that point back. Then that's a good point. Um. Okay. Back in, we have a. Uh, Renslayer gives Mobius one last chance with this variant of Loki. Mobius leaves, and then Loki, after he messes up uh, on their first run back to 1985, and kind of tries to play them all. He tries to give a bunch of excuses. Mobius plays hardball with him, tells him to shut up. Says Loki knows this variant is better than him. Loki says that he's 10 steps ahead. Mobius calls him out again and basically says, oh, this is what your plan is going to be, and says it step by step by step. And that's how predictable this Loki is. Um, and he does tell Loki, like, hey, this is your last chance. And he gives him a bunch of files to go through about the variant. And Loki tries to get the files. He's in this, like, library. And the first thing he does, instead of looking at the files pertaining the variant, he tries to get the files from the librarian about the creation of the TVA in the beginning and ending of time. Because not only are we interested in that as watchers of the show, so is Loki. Loki is so curious about the TVA, the timekeepers, and this all uh, whole idea of stuff being like almost pre-written. Um, Lebr- the, the librarian denies him, though, says it's all classified. And then Loki goes back to the variant files, and he reads about the res- destruction of Asgard during Ragnarok. He sees the the death total. We do actually see that the nickname, the Defenders, that they gave themselves in Ragnarok is there. Is uh, it the Defenders or the Revengers? It is the Revengers. That's my bad. Defenders is a different thing. Um <laughs> and uh he makes a big realization though after this peter he goes to mobius and he tells them that the variant is hiding in apocalypses and he basically says and correct me if i'm wrong that a variant cannot be tracked before an apocalypse because even if something is changed the apocalypse event will still wipe out everything anyway so it's like theoretic like yeah no i don't even need to i think that makes sense it does make it does make sense it made more sense when I watched the episode the second time. It made more sense mm-hmm. of like, okay, this makes sense. But again, again, it just lends itself to the way this show is such a different vibe than Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision oh, yeah. because it's we're really messing with different time. I mean, we jumped to, after this explanation, we jumped to Pompeii to mm-hmm. test out this theory. And again, that's the, not, whatever the opposite of constraints is, 
that this show has that it can just go anywhere. Yeah, it, the freedom it can do that, and it just goes straight to Pompeii right before the eruption of Mount Vesuvius that kills everyone. Loki releases goats. Shout out to his horned friends because of Loki's comic book costume, the horns, and he has an MC as well. Um, and then he just yells a bunch of shit, basically telling them that they're all going to die. And Mobius is shocked to see that the, the TVA device that tracks this variant energy cannot see Loki or cannot track Loki because Loki's theory was right. When you are in the apocalypse and you're a variant, you can't give off variant energy because nothing you say or do is going to matter because this whole timeline is getting wiped out, whether it be an eruption, like a supernatural event, all that sort of stuff. So. I do just want to say that we go in, I yeah. did. Sorry. I did jump inadvertently. I skipped the salad scene, which is such oh, a yeah. great scene. Ex- using the salad bowl as an explanation for Ragnarok mm-hmm. and taking one of the best MCU movies and putting it into this bowl of salad with salt and pepper happening and mm-hmm. juice. It was just, again, the show dances along the line of like super serious with like offbeat comedy that is with other actors that wouldn't work. And it shows why these act, these characters are such fan favorites with their smaller roles in the bigger movies. And now we're really getting to shine through the Disney Plus shows, even though it's only episode two. Like, that was such a well-done scene. Yeah, he's their back it. and forth as well was really good. The, the combo of those two has been electric. And if we just think about so far on Disney Plus, we've gotten a lot of electric combinations like that. Obviously, Wanda and Vision. You have a good combo of Agatha and Wanda, I would say, as well. Mm-hmm. Bucky, Sam. Um, and so forth, of Owen Wilson or Mobius and Loki. Uh, but now um, we'll move on because they go back to the TVA to figure out what exactly what apocalypse the variant could be hiding in. And we, while they're learning about this, they take a little break, and we learn that Mobius loves jet skis, loves them. Loki asks, "Why do you read about them?" If you'll never ride one, and Mobius says it reminds him of what they are fighting for. And the one thing I want to quickly jump in right here, Peter, is I think that Mobius is a variant that was taken from the 1990s and his memory was wiped and that he just does his job. Because everything that's around him, whether it be the jet skis, the soda he is drinking, the the references he makes, are all from the 90s. And I think that all these TVA agents are variants that were pulled that didn't do like that maybe just walked to work wrong one day and they're pulled from their lives and they have to go work at the TVA after their minds wiped. So this is all they know. And that's why Mobius has this like re- like talking about the jet skis. And later when we see the, the TVA agent that was trapped by um, the variant Loki, female Loki there, she says sh- she wants to go home. And when they say the TVA, sh- she's like, no, no, not the TVA. Boom. I think that's 100% right. Peter shook. I, I think my brain just exploded because I love that theory. I love that idea. Because again, we have Loki, who's literally an out-of-time variant that was dragged in to do this stuff, which mm-hmm. feeds that theory. That is such a good theory. Mm-hmm. That's the what we got that- going on. The 90s, the jet, because the jet skis, I was going to say, have to be important for something. You can't just keep reiterating jet skis as for yeah, like, yeah. no reason, but damn. I, I think that's, I think we're on to something with that. I think that that. I really what, hope that's true. 
Yeah, I, I also really would like to see my guy Mobius ride a jet ski. That would be sweet. End the season I, with him just having a good time riding that jet ski. Uh, so Mobius, um, after uh, Mobius says, like, basically, the, the jet skis remind him what he's fighting for and how he believes in the TVA, He can, Loki kind of sends back on that and talks about how absurd the timekeepers are, but Mobius compares it to the gods of Asgard. And he's, and when he says it like that, he says, basically, if you think too hard about how any of us were created, it's going to sound weird. And I thought that that was a really good point because he, Loki's making fun of the space lizards. And he's like, dude, who, who, who are, how are you from? Your dad is a frost giant and you were, you were raised by the god of the gods, Odin. Like, settle down, buddy. Your, your story is just as weird as this. So I really like that. I, yeah, it was such an interesting way that it kind of grounds it back into the outside the MCU reality too, where it's like, mm-hmm. if you think about any belief system, you choose to believe in it and you know, it might sound crazy. It might, you know, sound ridiculous to explain to someone, but you're believing it because that's what you're choosing to believe. Mm-hmm. And I like that again, the show is really diving into choice and free will and predetermined, the idea of predetermined fate. Can someone change this path that someone has already claimed for you to be? And I thought that was such an interesting way to make it relatable to regular people while comparing it to Loki and having been with Odin's son and Frost Giants and stuff that sounds ridiculous. But like you just yeah. said, it really brings it down to a base level of understanding for anyone, even if you don't fully understand the MCU. But if you're watching the show, you probably do it to some extent. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so... Mobius goes on, he says, like, the TVA is jokingly his own glorious purpose. It's his life. And he says, like, the timekeepers are working on the end of this story while the TVA agents um, keep everything in track. And when it's done, he'll just rest. Um, And Loki has a good line when he's talking about this, because he says, like, you know why I'm not a scared little boy? Because Mobius called him that earlier in the episode. He says, no one bad is truly bad and no one good is ever truly good. This could be a reference to a, a couple things. This could be a reference to the timekeepers, which I think is probably the, what it's going for. This could be a, a reference to Renslayer. This could be a reference to Mobius himself. And this is obviously a reference about Loki because we know this about him. And what this does, Peter, is it sparks the idea in Mobius's mind of the scared child who he saw with the blue tongue from the gum in the first episode in like the 15 or 1600s in france right yes and he realizes that that gum obviously was not from that time so what they need to do is they need to track when was this gum sold and they realize that it was only sold from 2047 to 2051 on earth so to track their natural disasters then or uh i guess natural disasters but it's basically like apocalypses um they need to look in that time frame from 2047 to 2051 on Earth. And that, theoretically, in one of those apocalypses in there, because they name a few, is where the Loki variant would be hiding. Is that correct? I feel like I'm that is correct. trying that is to make... Very... No, you made a lot of sense. I followed that. I did definitely follow that. That was the per... That's the way they came to the conclusion of where to start looking mm-hmm. and do that but real quick read um loki's speech about good you know no one's fully good or no one's fully bad 
the only thing that I thought about the way I thought about in that scene was if I remembered correctly, it would be Thor and Steve Rogers that are the exemption to that. And I guess Vision in a sense, because Vision is able to also wield Molnir. So I think the three of them would be the exemption to that theory. Yeah. Which could be why Steve was allowed to do what he did in the timeline. It's, I'm a giant Thor fan, but I don't know if Thor is all truly good. Right. So again, but I mean, true, true. I, yeah, when I said Thor, I did, I did have a moment because. But it would make sense because he can. Yeah. But Thor is worthy enough. I don't know. That's actually a really good point. Because Steve Rogers is, I guess, the exception as well as definitely Vision, but Vision is AI, so I don't know how much that counts. Thor, though, I mean, for the most part, besides just arrogance and heartbreak, he never does anything bad. That's true. He's not Star-Lord. He's not uh, easy. And he's not even Tony Stark, who messes up, like Bruce Branner, who does stuff. So, no, that's a really good point, Peter. Um, Okay. Back to the We'll move on. Um, so the gum 2047 to 2051 on earth. And so that after going through a few apocalypses, they decide that the hurricane floods in the hurricane that causes floods in Alabama, 2050 at a rocks cart superstore. Think Walmart is where this Loki variant is hiding. Um, and Mobius has to go convince Renslayer to let them go check it out. And she basically says, Hey, if you mess this one up, it's there's nothing I can do to protect you. I mean, really quick protect you from who? The timekeepers? Is that what we're supposed to assume, Peter? So I think on the surface, the timekeepers, if but on the Marvel nerd hopeful person layer, it's like the other variant. If mm-hmm. we're going off of the timekeepers not being good. I mean, that's where I would go. That's where I kinda hoped, but I've learned to temper my hopes. Yeah, yeah. That's why I got when I brought up that Reed Richards thing earlier. I was just like, how are people already fan casting Reed Richards into this? Come on, people. Come on. But um, so they go, they form a strike response unit with like B-13 and others to go to this apocalypse. We learn that this is a class 10 apocalypse and civilians are hiding in the warehouse of the superstore for shelter. Um, Class 10 means like all these people are just going to die from the apocalypse. So sad, but that's the truth. Um, And Mobius, when they get there, isn't allowed to just go in with just Loki. B-13 says that her and Renslayer decided beforehand, so she'll be with Loki. Turns out to be a mistake. Loki goes with B-13, and then very quickly, Peter, the Loki variant takes control of the the B-13 and starts to talk to our Loki through several proxy bodies. So this is a very important part of this podcast. Because Peter, I'm giving all the credit and shine to him on this. We have been led to believe. Because, okay, honestly, what's going to happen is this is the Loki variant or whatever. The person they've been hunting is taking over B-13 and talking to Loki. That's what's happening. You've seen the show if you're listening to this. We have all been led to believe, Peter, that this variant was Lady Loki. Because his gender was fluid in the last episode. There's been Lady Loki in the comics. And it's just kind of been what everyone has been thinking. But after what we saw, could it be someone else, Mr. Gonzalez? Could it? Well, 
my thought process and then my research has led me to believe that this is Sylvie Lushton, if I'm doing the last name mm-hmm. correct, who is yep. the enchantress in the comics, who is very closely tied to Loki in the comics. And then oh, yeah. the line that stood out to me is Loki says that the, basically what, she, what this variant is doing is enchantment, which she calls, um, I think it's like child's play or something. Again, mm-hmm. belittling this person's abilities. This person also does not look like comic accurate Lady Loki. Or this any person. of the variants we saw. Because all the variants we saw in that thing looked somewhat like Hiddleston. Exactly. Which just, which kind of leads us, at least that's a theory, you know, I proposed it to Brian over text when, at some point and um, in between the podcast and the episode. And it just, it makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. again, as time has gone on, I've also kind of wondered, is this going to be Lady Loki, but it's a mashup of both characters through the similar way that Agatha Harkness was kind of mm. created for the MCU, kind of by the comic route, but also different. So I want to say that this is Enchant- the Enchantress, because I feel like that's an interesting foil to Loki. The 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 That'd be a big miss if they combined Lady Loki and Enchantress. Enchantress is way big enough to be the, their own thing. I really think that would be a giant miss if they were like, oh, we're going to combine them. I think you're right. I didn't. I was so taken back by that theory when you first sent it to me. But the blonde hair, the ties to Loki, the enchantments she was using, we have never seen Loki be able to do. He had to have the Mind Stone to do that sort of stuff. In the alternate language credits, we see that Sylvie is who that's supposed to be. I think you're right. Like, I I think you're 150% right. I think this is the Enchantress. And, and there I is love the, it. There is the part where he's looking at the files and it says Sylvie. I know we there was, someone blew it up on Twitter. Again, I don't know the credits. But if you zoom in, it says Sylvie Lauf. I can't say the last name properly. But Lauf Sylvie, who you expect... And if I'm not mistaken, Sylvie was in, was it Oklahoma or was it Alabama? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So I think it, it all kind of makes, it makes sense. But again, so much made sense about Quicksilver. So Still not over that. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. But I like this. I like this idea. You know, we have we proposed two theories so far in, the, in, in this episode that you and I have both proposed that we're kind of hopeful that are reality and we're riding those we'll see what happens i think the i just don't why i agree with you and i think this theory is right is it just to me the sylvie thing one weird and then just the powers are exactly what the enchantress is i went and rewatched. uh there's this animated show on disney plus like an avengers animated show and there's a couple episodes where the Enchantress is in it. I mean, this is just straight up the exact, exact stuff she does. And Loki, again, has to have the Mind Stone to do that. Like That's Hawkeye what stood out to me because I, I, was, I was like in Avengers. Loki he doesn't even talk to do that. Yeah. 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 I, I wanted I think to be the case. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. So these two start talking while there's she goes through various like proxy bodies. She calls him a fool. Um, and... Loki basically they they start going back and forth and Loki tries to enlist her as a lieutenant for him, you know, 
and they try to uh he says like i want to take out the timekeepers and run the tva it seems Again, that a different she, level of his plan than he had originally told us yeah and then there's i think that she's not interested in really ruling the tva but i do think she's definitely interested in fucking it up maybe messing with the timekeepers because we also find out in a scene as this is going on, Mobius finds the kidnapped TVA agent from earlier in the episode who repeatedly mutters, it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real, which we don't really understand, and then says, I want to go home. And then says, she's revealed how to find the timekeepers to this Loki variant, which, holy shit. So, Peter, from here, how would you describe, really, this, the back and forth? Because it was, I didn't script it all out because it's just really, it's, it's kind of repetitive of them just talking back and forth of who's the better Loki. She clearly thinks that, and even though Tom Hiddleston's Loki does, if we're to assume this is Lady Loki for the purpose of this argument, she seems like a much superior, I mean, she kind of beats the crap out of Loki with like regular human bodies, which is kind of weird. For the god, for Asgardian god, but you know. But I feel like he was never that great of a fighter. If we look back, I don't think yeah, he was that I, good at fight. Like I don't. I mean, he's pretty gnarly in Ragnarok when he's got like the knives and. But without the knives, I mean, I feel like. I guess. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I did have a little bit of a. I did kind of see the fighting thing as interesting, but what stood out to me that dialogue was, Lady Loki, Enchantress, Sylvie character variant never really answered or validated his points when he would say i would never do this to me or there was another line again where he says something to her and you expect again about being loki and he says don't call me that or there's never a clear answer that's not about you yeah yeah and oh the talking she's like you really do love to hear yourself talk so much and she's saying you yourself talk so much not as opposed to a loki who talks so much and talks Oh, Peter, we're so lines. screwed if this if this is uh, Lady. I'm so like on board with your theory that I'm now concerned about myself because it's like, but it it makes so much sense every level of it. I just do not understand why the hell they would make a female Loki have blonde hair. And I know that sounds just simple and stupid to think that, but like but comic book accuracy, comic like, book you accurate, do so and, well looking. Like and I am simple and just... stupid. So that's what that makes it. I see. I'm like, oh, Loki has darker hair. This, I mean, come on. I'm just a man. I'm just a simple guy. And I mean, I, I think that if we learned, we thought that Agatha was just this regular friend to her, and it turns out to be Agatha Harkness who's ultimately trying to take the powers from her. So I think we have this show, and this show is about duplicity and what things are, not what everything is not what it seems. So mm-hmm. I want, to, I have to slash want to believe that this is a separate character from Lady Loki and this is Enchantress who will be a foil or a ally of some sort yeah to him because again we also had the song at the beginning of the episode which is holding out for a hero which again if you're overthinking like I am you know, it says, where are the gods? Where are the good men? Where are all these things? Which, again, Loki would theoretically be a god that you would mm-hmm. think about to come save things. So, could this be a person who is... Again, but again, what? why did the person do what they did at the end of the episode? Which, I'll let you explain what happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, so she uses the reset charges 
to really, really mess up the sacred timeline. She um, drops them through those like TVA portals to all these specific dates that it flashes through. And a lot of them seem important that there are some MCU connections. But I would just like to say one that stood out to me. Dartmouth, England, or London. Dartmouth, England, wherever that city in 1941 is listed. Mm-hmm. Keith Richards and Mick Jagger were born there in 1941 of the Rolling Stones. If there is a timeline without the Rolling Stones, burn it all down. We are fucked if there are no stones. I don't think so they're going to do that. There was all the. What's funny though is there's all these like dates, and I was looking at them, and there's obviously there's all these stuff that ties definitely into like the MCU, and I didn't care about any of that when I saw Dartmouth. England in 94, I was like, what are they doing to my boys? What are they doing? So, I mean, what a cameo. If we got Mick and Keith a cameo, I would lose my mind. That would be the greatest thing ever. That will never happen. So, you don't know. It's Disney Plus. It's the Disney Plus budget. It could happen. God, it could happen. But I think that's so... I mean, because I, I definitely... I think I even wrote down a post-it somewhere. I'm moving so much. I don't even know what happened to the yeah. paper. But, like, you know, Vormir, Titan... There's a... Um, Holla. And there's New York when probably Steve, like, was, or came back in, I don't know. I don't know. There's some, definitely some stuff that ties to MCU. And maybe in the future we'll see, like, that they were teasing some stuff with those dates that we will learn about in maybe Eternals or other stuff. Um, and so after she does this, we see that the timeline just is blowing up. It's all these branches are forming. And on the screen, if it gets to the red bar, it basically means, like, we're fucked. There's nothing they can do to control that. And they're rapidly, yeah, like a Nexus event. They're rapidly approaching that in many different eras, different times on the timeline. And so we see Renslayer send out all the troops. This is a giant, giant emergency that is happening. And... um female Loki slash Enchantress slash Sylvie slash whoever escapes and Loki stands there for a bit. He is tempted by what she has been saying. Loki is always going, wants to be around those with the most power. He ditches our guy Mobius who's running after him and they disappear. Renslayer and the troops are heading in setting us up for what will be a wild, wild third episode. What do you think? I, I mean, it's, it, they said that the series would have more repercussions than the other ones, and I believe it, because oh, yeah. we just... The, yeah, where, how do you not expect repercussions when the timeline is literally bombed? Like, how? But I mean, again, well, go ahead. I, mean, I was just like, she like it went just from zero to 100 so fast like we learn about these timelines and we see like the little things that can fuck them up and then it's like episode two here's the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to them in episode also, two yeah and those the bomb things the reset charges and where they drop it is it's like the most confusing thing in marvel ever how it all I, works and it makes sense that this would it makes sense that the most confusing thing is in a Disney Plus show as opposed to a two-hour movie where you're kind of don't have the time to let this breathe and 
the repercussions Yo, exactly. brief and kind of you know here's here's it makes sense now because of this yeah but again, it would be impossible to watch this in a three-hour sit down i mean it would you'd be able to do it but you'd have to watch it a couple more times after because it would just it's so hard to grasp like it literally takes these conversations and watching it over and over again so like literally after we finish recording right now i'll be like okay i understand what i watched last week and so the idea of doing that in a movie they wouldn't be able to do a lot of this and it's just what's interesting to me is this seems like a very cataclysmic event but this whatever this event is it's not enough to warrant the the eternals getting involved again like because aren't the eternals supposed to be the ones that help guide things along and like yeah well the the idea of what the eternals relationship with the tva would be is wild because if they're f- the tva can mess with an asgardian i don't know i really i want to get rid of the tva i want to i want them to be gone i, I don't like the predestined thing and i think i know marvel will get rid of that because they're setting it up to get rid of it but I and want I the think, TVA to go down and just keep Mobius somehow. Maybe just let him jet ski at the beginning of every movie or something. I, I think we've, we've come to realize that Marvel, for the most part, the authority figure is a, is a bad character. Yeah. Is a, it is, and it's something that, you know... I've an agency of some sort, never good. Yeah, and, you, and then you're like... and it's, I think it's an interesting way because we're so programmed to believe that the, that the agency, that the overarching structure is what we're supposed to believe in that they're the good ones but yeah in the end there's all this nefarious purposes going on and i think the tva will be similar to i don't think we'll see the tva after loki i think i think from what has been theorized though i do if you could bring up you did text me your i your a small theory about where the tva is located oh okay so the thought I have about the TVA is because it time moves differently there. Um, it seems like it's in a place in between universes, in between the world. Well, where's a place in the MCU where we have been confirmed that time moves differently? It's the quantum realm that we saw in Ant-Man 1 and 2, and obviously, or Ant-Man 2 in Avengers Endgame. That city we see at the end of Ant-Man 2 has long been theoried to be called Chronopolis which is where Kang, what Kang City is, is. And theoretically, the city that they're in right now, it's not called the TVA. Like, we don't know what it is called. And if you look at the Ant-Man 2, the city is very, like, elaborate and futuristic. And if it exists in a place where time moves differently, and it is linked to Kang, the TVA, which it is, and Ant-Man 3 has confirmed that Kang is going to be the supervillain, a big part of me thinks that this TVA, because time moves differently, and it's kind of separated, where, like, Infinity Stones and shit aren't working, I think the TVA is in the quantum realm. I think, I think that that is a, a big possibility. And, I think, and when, you did t- when you did tell me this, it made a lot of sense, and it still does, because of the of all the factors of we're meant to believe that Endgame had this big overarching impact. Infinity Wars into Endgame had you know the world was severely impacted, except for Ant Man who was mm-hmm. in the quantum realm, and this seems like whereas WandaVision launched was a good segue to Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness, this one makes sense that this would be 
a bridge to get us at some point to cross over to Ant-Man Quantumania. Because again, I think the movies are becoming more interconnected with yes. themselves and with the series in a way that you look forward to these things paying off as opposed yeah. to like it doesn't have a connection. The Marvel saw what movies like Civil War and Ragnarok do where you pair superheroes and stuff and that's the formula they're going to go and they're for the most part going away from like the normal origin story but really quickly what i wanted to say about that theory one more thing is a lot of the theories we've given out on here and the things we discuss about for the most part come from things that happened in the comic books right yeah and sometimes that lets us down but the one thing when i think about this theory of that it existing in the quantum realm is this is something that has been teased at us in the movies. This is something that came out a while ago. So we've had time to think about what this could be. And so I'm a little more confident in it because it's like I'm not just referencing a 20-year-old comic book that I read that had something similar. It's, well, no, in the story, in the world they're building here in the MCU, this makes sense because they need to recognize what that is. And I just think it, I think, if the boot fits, it fits. It does. I think, I think that this has lent itself to... I think what Loki has done also, in a sense, is brought us back to what we did with WandaVision, where we really were able to theorize so about much more things fun than that are bigger Winter picture. That are bigger yep. picture. Whereas, as I did love Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's much more traditional, grounded MCU. And it kind of addressed what was going on on Earth. And kind of like, kind of like cleaned it up in a sense. Like this is what's happening, mm-hmm. where we kind of are, and we're kind of setting up who's coming next. Whereas the those two, Loki and WandaVision are really dealing with the way that the MCU is moving outside of Earth, but not necessarily l- space in a sense. It's dealing into like the mystical, magical, the yeah. quantum realmness of it all, the variants, the different versions, which again could lead, which does speak to Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Like, uh, I'll end it with this. You, you know, two variants who are coming to the MCU: Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Allegedly, supposedly. I'd bet my life on that. You, you know, I want. I'm also- so confident in it. I'm so confident that they're in it. I just have so much. But watch, they're gonna come. In- so yes, they come into the MCU, but they're like these random. No, no, New no. Yorkers. They're, they're not. They're not Bender. Ralph Bonering me. No, no, no. They're not Ralph Bonering me. That is not going to happen. You want to oh, believe God, that? No. We want to, but no. that was that no, was my the God. biggest. If, uh, if it's just I mean, pizza time, more... if there's no Spider-Man time, and he's literally just a pizza delivery guy, uh, it would. That would just. It would be so. They couldn't but... do that. That would break me. But I think why, part of the reason why, if we're operating on the theory that, yes, they're coming, I think part of the big reason why it's so negated consistently and vehemently is because this show has made it, Loki especially makes it seem like there's one timeline, the multiverses aren't reality in a sense. But so at the end of Loki, there will be multiverses that are a lot unlocked and exist and are acknowledged and done well in a way that DC cannot do when they do multiverses. Yeah, which isn't a high bar to set, but, you know, here we are. Um, Peter, any more uh, thoughts on episode two? Any theories before we wrap up of episode 104 here of The Pineapple Couch? 
You know, I think this episode of Loki was just like I will I will go with you and say this was probably the best thing we've seen on Disney Plus thus far. It's highly up there with because again, you have it and it, you're following along and then you just get punched in the face with a bombing of the sacred timeline, which you're led to believe is so important and so integral. Mm. And it leaves it in a place where we have no idea what's going to happen in episode three. I mean, yes, maybe Lady Loki, Enchantress, Sylvie, variant person, and Loki are interacting more. Theoretically, that could happen, and Mobius mm-hmm. is looking for him. But other than that, and they're going to deal with the bombings, but other than that, what is going to happen? Like, yeah. I, I the have board no got thrown up in the air. And I, that's why I love Loki. I think this is just such a great show for those reasons, because we can have conversations like this. And it's also got great action that is enjoyable to watch in the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think we got we came out with some good theories today. Uh, I thought this was a good episode. Uh, if you guys have any theories of your own at home, send them on in. We'd love to or leave a voicemail. We'd love to talk to you about them. Um, next week, Eric Robinson, big fan of this Loki show, will be jumping in with Peter and I, giving us maybe a little common man perspective of someone who's not obsessed as much with the MCU as Peter and I. And, might be a breath of fresh air for some of you we'll find out but uh peter thank you so much for being on it's always a pleasure doing this i'm sure i will text you probably in three hours with a new theory i'm i look forward to it because again it's like wandavision we never stop talking about it never and that's that's the recipe for winning on disney plus it would seem all right peter talk to you next time see ya see you guys Thank you.